Good evening and welcome to Night Colors Bigfoot Radio. It is March 25th, 2020, and you're here with your hosts, Lauren Smith and Dustin Clark. How are you doing tonight, Dustin? I am doing pretty good. And just so everybody knows, um, I will be uh, clearing my throat for this show. Uh, it's mainly because for some reason when I have to be quiet, I constantly have to clear my throat. So I'm not actually sick. So nobody worry about me. I'm fine. Um, how, how are you, Lauren? It's terrible. We have to, like, explain that. Like, because I have had the worst allergies all week and I mean sneezing coughing itchy eyes which you're not supposed to touch your face right now and it has been honest to god terrible I literally go wash my hands so that I can touch my face and scratch my face like it's so ridiculous and I have to apologize if I sneeze or cough I'm like I don't have the Rona like it's terrible (laughs) but people look at you like you're the Unabomber (laughs) if you (laughs) cough or sneeze well I'll I was at the post office today, and, like, I haven't sneezed in, like, a week, right? And I'm standing in line waiting mm-hmm. to send this order out, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, shit, I have to sneeze. And, <laughs> I, like, I was almost, like, in tears trying to hold it back just because just the pressure from trying to hold it back. Finally, I had to walk out of the post office and do that little <laughs> into your elbow. Uh, I was uh, <laughs> I was worried about getting shot or something. Plus, I wasn't in the best post office in the area, so. Uh... Yeah, um, it's it's pretty rough. I know um, if anyone even looks kind of feverish, I'm immediately just kind of like, hey, so are you taking your temperature today, and how are you feeling? <laughs> like, I softly interrogate them to see if they're <laughs> they're hiding their illness from me. <laughs> terrible but um yeah so they shut schools down in Oklahoma for the rest of the year um we got that news today so uh Dustin Mm -hmm. and I plus all the other parents of Oklahoma children will be teaching our children virtually from home so um uh, also today so let's, I just want to talk about that real quick, is that they have shut schools down for the rest of the year today for Oklahoma children. And also today, they mentioned that alcohol is an essential business and can be delivered to your home now. Okay, on the same day, those two things happened. So <laughs> that tells you, like, they are serious about this. I was so excited to hear that. <laughs> I'm hey, they have feeling great too, about so. that news. They have kids, too. Yeah, I was pretty excited because I started getting um, all these requests from my son's teacher. You know, download this app and this app and this app, and then you'll do, we'll have a screen time where we have a meeting for 30 minutes, and I, you know, we do our classroom stuff, and then you go do his homework with him, and I'm just sitting there like, I'm still at work. I'm essential personnel, so I'm still at work all day. And our employees are stressed out and up. And so they are calling, screaming and freaking out. So I'm dealing with that, and then I have to come home and try to teach my child, you know, teaching things. And I'm like, this is why I'm not a teacher. I'm like, I don't think I like most kids. This is hard. Like, we need to pay our teachers a lot more, and I think they just decided they're going to prove it to us like this. (laughs) That's their goal. (laughs) 
terrible. Okay, terrible rant <laughs> over. But the first video thing tonight went pretty well. Um, Adam had me giggling because uh, I'm holding the phone with the screen on him so that he can see his teacher and she can see him and his little friends are on the screen too. And he kept raising his hand and it was just cracking me up. I said, Adam, you don't have to raise your hand, buddy. She can't really see you. Like, you have to say it. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> he did not understand what was going on. Anyway. Okay, we have limited time with our wonderful guest, um, so mm-hmm. if you're ready, we can go ahead and bring her on. I don't know if you have any Bigfoot news. Uh, I, I do I, not. I know I did want to mention that a couple states have issued curfews from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., um, and so as Stephen Hill mentioned earlier, uh, that really sucks for Bigfooters, like... It's daytime or get out in the woods where you can't be found and stay the night. Um, so, yeah, just y'all be aware. Big are going to be partying. They're going to be like, yes, humans are gone. <laughs> okay, so uh, we tonight we have Mark. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to You do your do, do the thing. All right. Marnie Venge is the host of Erioki. This is an Oklahoma-based podcast that focuses on true crime, urban legends, spooky local lore, and the darker side of the Sooner State. She's also an author. She writes horror and thrillers under her real name, and then she writes romance under her pseudonym, Dallas Blake. I'm very excited to have Marnie on tonight. Um, so the first episode I ever heard of hers actually was about Lawton, Oklahoma, and it picked my interest because I'm like, wait, I know that. It, I think it came up on Stitcher and it was on Shuffle or something and it popped up and I'm like, what? This person's talking about Lawton? And then I saw the title was Erioki and I'm like, what? There's a podcast out of Oklahoma? It blew my mind. <laughs> and so we are really excited to have you on tonight, Marnie. <laughs> I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited. I know you mentioned you were nervous, so let's go ahead and get you talking yeah. so that you can burn off that nervous okay. energy. It's, it's okay, weird. Sure. We discussed before the show that it's weird being, when you're used to interviewing, it's weird being on the other side of the mic. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so weird. It's so, so weird. <laughs> it's like when you're, when you're the person that's like running the show, you're like in control, you know, and so it's like, Mm-hmm. hard when you're already a person that's not good at giving up control, which any of my friends and family can tell yeah. you is, like, a problem that I have. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's how I am. Kind of yep. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah, that's how I am as well. And so, it. it's, yeah, it's, it, you're nervous at first, and then usually, you know, you get to talking and you kind of forget about it a little bit. Um, and if you're like me, you'll go listen to this episode 15 times and be like, oh, my gosh, I should have said this. I should have yeah. said that. But um, oh, I know yeah. you're going to do great. Um, so we can just go ahead and get started. Um, Dustin, do you want to go ahead and start off? Yeah, I was going to ask uh, what kind of creepy stories you brought for us. Okay. <laughs> so I thought that I would start with the one that, most of my audience, like this was, this was kind of a, I guess like a big moment for the podcast. Um, so back last summer, I believe it was like July, um, 
I reached out to the Stone Lion Inn, and you guys probably know what that is, but basically the Stone Lion Inn is this uh, bed and breakfast in Guthrie, Oklahoma, which is north of Oklahoma City, and it is reportedly haunted. It's been featured on, like, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, um, so it's pretty pretty well known within the paranormal community, I think. Um, and anyway, I reached out to them on Facebook, and I was like, hey, I'm doing this podcast with a local radio station, and I wanted to see if it would be possible to interview the owner or anything like that. I didn't hear back, and so I called, and um, they didn't really give me a concrete answer one way or the other, but I guess the word got to Becky Luther, who is the owner, and I got, like, a message on Facebook then that said, this is Becky, and I'm interested. And so I was like, okay. So I, I went out there and did the interview. It was really cool. I got, like, a private tour of the place, which if you – have you guys ever either one been there? I, I haven't mm-hmm. been there yet. Okay. It's, it's super cool. Like, it is um, – it's so old. Like, it has had only three owners in the last hundred years, and Becky is one of those owners. And so, like, when you walk up, it even has, like, the little, I don't even know what the technical term is for it, but there's, like, a little awning that you would pull, like, a horse and carriage under, like, and then get out and go into the house and stuff like that. So it's super old, super cool, lots of cool, like, furniture and history within the house, like, movies have been made there, all kinds of stuff. And I got a private tour. That was super cool. But um, during the interview, I did not hear anything, like, Nothing weird happened. There was, like, one moment where I kind of felt a chill, but I couldn't tell you looking back at what point in the interview that was. Um, Anyway, Mm -hmm. so we do that. I get my private tour. I go home. I edit the episode. I listened to it twice when I was editing it. And the next morning it goes live, and the podcast always goes live at 5 o'clock in the morning on Fridays. And I usually sleep past 5 o'clock in the morning. So I woke up at, like, 8 that day, and I had a message from a listener. And she was like, girl, have you listened to this podcast? And I was like, oh, no. What did I do? Like, I was like, there's there's probably, like, some audio glitch or something. Like, I really messed up. She's like, no, go to, I think it was, like, 24 minutes and 30 seconds or something. There is an EVP in the interview. Mm. Yeah, so that was, like, and for anybody wow. who doesn't know, I'm sure, like, most of your audience knows that that's, like, the electronic voice phenomenon. And so there was a lot of debate in the Irioki's Facebook group about whether it was saying come play or go away. Like, so Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like that kind of divided people in terms of their outlook on life. Like, you know, there were people who were like, (laughs) I'm going to think about it. And then people who were like, no, this is definitely a demon. So I thought that was kind of, kind of interesting. And, um, that that was super fun. Like that was a really cool thing. And I had I had a listener message me that said, I cannot believe that you walked into that place and hit record and you had an EVP. And I've been trying to do that for twelve years. Mm. I was like, well, it'll probably never happen again. It's <laughs> how we feel about pretty, research. I heard, <laughs> I heard it, and it, it was it was pretty creepy. Mhm. And I. It is pretty creepy. I couldn't definitely say which it's which I thought it said, but it was it it, it could go either way for me. I'm not a hundred percent, but you could still hear it and it's just it made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up just a little bit. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. when I when I listened to it that morning after I got the message, I like put it on I think I put it on like my Bluetooth speaker and then I turned it all the way up. And when that part came and you could hear that like voice I mean, it, like, brought, you know how, like, when you experience something like that, it brings, like, tears to your eyes, and you get Mm. that, like, hair-raising feeling? That was exactly what it felt like when I heard it. And I, like, clapped my hand over my mouth, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. (laughs) So uh, what other kind of experiences have you had? Okay, so this one... um, this one's kind of a funny one. Um, so back, like, at the, I want to say close to the beginning of the podcast, one of my friends um, was super instrumental in me starting it, and that's Johnetta. And she and I one night decided as two 30-plus-year-old women that we were going to go driving around and, like, not get out and trespass, but, like, look at the places where, like, the legend tripping happens. So we were like, we're going to go drive out to the Purple Church and just drive by and not get out, just, like, drive by the gate and see if it's spooky whatever. And we're going to drive by Kitchen Lake. And we're going to drive by Crybaby Bridge and more. So we went to the Purple Church and um, did not get out because that is trespassing. And there's definitely someone in there with a gun that will chase you off. So just don't do that. <laughs> like, um but anyway, we went out there. That was super spooky. We kind of, like, spooked ourselves a little bit doing that alone. And then we were going south, and we went through more. And so we went, I don't know, like, um, for anybody who is not familiar with, like, the Purple Church legend, this is this is kind of a cool Oklahoma thing. So um, I believe it's in Spencer. It's, like, north of Midwest City. And basically people for a long time have said that it's like a satanic temple or something like that and that people are sacrificing things there. But where it gets like interesting to me is that it intersects with the Sean Sellers case, which was, he was a guy, I believe in the 80s or 90s, it was during the satanic panic in Oklahoma that killed his parents and it kind of got wrapped up in all that satanism stuff. And anyway, some people said that the first place that he ever practiced it was at the Purple Church. So that kind of, it's like tied up, it's cool because it's tied up in an urban legend, but also some of it's factual. So it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of like gray of what really did and did not happen. But um, anyway, so we went there and then we went to Crybaby Bridge and Kitchen Lake. And when I was in high school, Kitchen Lake was like a place that people went to scare themselves, basically. Um, I went to Moore High School (laughs) and pretty much everybody at Moore knew Kitchen Lake and, like, the witch that lived out there and that if you went out there, like, your house would catch on fire or whatever. And so, anyway, John and I had walked by there. Mind you, this is, like, 10 o'clock at night. And it's, like, pitch black out there because this is, for anybody who's not from Oklahoma, this is, like, on the edge of town where there aren't a whole lot of streetlights. And we turn right down Air Depot and we're going along. We're, like, listening to our music, having a good time. And we see... Ahead of us, there are two cars parked parallel to each other, like, blocking the road. And so I slow down, and I'm like, what is going on? And we are we are watching this, and there's someone, like, standing by one of the cars, and he, like, spots us and kind of, like, nervously moves away. And um, so we're, like, pretty sure at this point that we are witnessing a drug deal and we're about to die. So we're like, maybe we should put the car in reverse. I don't know what we should do. And right at that moment, 
a group of teenagers with flashlights comes pouring out of the woods. So it's like they were legend tripping, and we were basically doing the same thing, and we scared each other to death. Like, they looked at us, and I could tell that they were just so relieved that we were not police officers, and we were so relieved that oh they were not drug dealers. But, like, we, we kind of nodded and waved at each other, like, as we passed the way out. And I remember Jonathan and I were laughing, and we were like, okay, so that definitely shaved five years off our lives. That was not, oh not a good time. But, yeah, but it also, it made me kind of happy to see that kids were still doing that. Like, it kind of, since I, I care so much about, like, folklore and um, stuff like that, I think that it, it felt kind of good to know that kids today still value that in some way. So that was that was cool, even though it did scare me. Yeah, back in the day when we were in high school, it it was creepy down in there. Um, I haven't oh, yeah. been there since. But it, mm-hmm. the bridge was out. Um, it was an old, wasn't it? I think it was an old trestle bridge kind of. But it was a short mm-hmm. one, and mm-hmm. half of it was missing, and it was creepy. And then about halfway down the road on the north side was this actual – all that's left was like a chimney in the stem wall of this house, and that was yeah. the witch's house. Uh-huh. And, uh, I, I, I kind of want to go back now. <laughs> yeah. I uh, <laughs> I remember – and what what's interesting about that, too, is – Back in, like, I want to say, this is, like, I don't have my, like, dates or anything in front of me, so I could be wrong about the date, but first half of the 20th century, there was a really bad fire at Tinker Air Force Base, and um, Mm. part of the witch legend is that, like, there was a fire so bad at her house that it, and, like, she was so evil that, like, it torched the rooftops of the houses around and I always thought it was kind of interesting that, like, there was that really bad fire at Tinker, and it kind of coincided with the time that this became, like, uh, an urban legend for that area. And so that's kind of, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that fascinates me so much is, like, I think we use folklore a lot of times to explain things we can't understand or that feel out right. of our control, things like that. So, so that, was, that was kind of a cool connection that I found when I was researching that. I don't think I knew about the, the big fire. Mm-hmm. It was pretty bad. Um, and I want to say that there was maybe more than one. Like, it happened at one point, and then maybe, like, ten years later, another one happened or something like that. It was it was pretty bad, but, yeah. Um, and then as far as, like, one of my other favorite stories from my time making the podcast happened last spring. I think it actually happened last Mother's Day. Um, so my cousin and I decided that we were going to go out to a Sacred Heart mission. And I don't know, are you guys familiar with that place? Uh, uh, yeah. I, I know it, but I don't know if our listeners do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's basically, there's a Catholic church there now, but it used to be um, part of an Indian boarding school. And um, there are all kinds of urban legends about like that there, that it's, like possessed, it's evil, the you know, there are ghosts, there are demons, like all this stuff and people who hear voices out there and they see things and they see lights and stuff like that and um one of the big things about it is that you can't go back into the mission, which is the part that's supposed to be haunted because that's like 
trespassing, and they really, really, really don't like that. Um, they have so many problems with it that at Halloween, like, a sheriff's deputy sits out there. Um, and anyway, we went out there and just were kind of, like, gonna, we didn't really know what we were going to do. We kind of went very unprepared, which I would not do at this point doing this. But um, we got out there, and we started looking around the, like, modern part of the cemetery, and, which is, like, open to the public, you know, like any cemetery. And as we were walking around, this priest came outside. And, like, this was kind of, it's not in the middle of nowhere, but it's pretty far away from the city. And um, so this guy comes walking outside, and he asks us, you know, like, who we're here looking for, you know, whatever. And I kind of explained to him who I am, what I'm doing. And you can tell immediately he's, like, put off by this. <laughs> he is not, <laughs> not amused by my shenanigans. And so he's like, he starts talking about the history of the place and like the fire that happened there and all this stuff. And um, and then as he gets like to the end of the story, as he's telling me and my cousin all this stuff, he goes, nothing spooky in that, is there? Like he, like he was like, like trying to reassure us that there was nothing like paranormal going on. So we're like, okay. And so we kind of walked out, though, because right around that time, the groundskeeper had come up into the sanctuary, and he was kind of talking about, like, Catholic traditions and stuff like that. And this is when we left out. A nice, respectable Catholic family walked up, and they wanted to see the area for, like, nice reasons, not because they were, like, paranormal researchers. <laughs> so he ended up saying, um, sure, we'll take you on a tour of the mission you guys can come to, like, I don't think that would have happened if that nice Catholic family had not walked up. And <laughs> he took us back there. He was, the groundskeeper was hilarious. Like, he was so, so great. Um, and he, like, walked us around, showed us all kinds of stuff. Like, there's really, really cool stuff. Um, like, old, old cemeteries. Like, it's amazing. And um, there's also, like, the, I cannot remember what, they called it, but it's where they would make the bread for the school and for the church and stuff like that, and that building is still standing. And um, anyway, so he, like, took us out there, and he's showing us all the stuff, and as he starts talking, he starts telling us, you know, about the place and about the urban legends and stuff like that. And basically, everything that people say that they experience out there pretty much can be attributed to the fact that the groundskeeper lives back there. So, like, people hear voices, and they hear, like, music, or they or they see lights flash or something like that. And a lot of it can be attributed to the fact that he is actually back there trying to get people off of his property. <laughs> and um, one of the things he told us that was really funny was there was a brother at the church back in, like, I want to say, like, the 60s or something like that who really loved the fact that it had become, like, an urban legend hotspot to the point that he would dress up like a ghost to try to scare teenagers that came out there, which I'm sure <laughs> did nothing in the way of dispelling the rumors that this was not, you know, a haunted place. So um, I find that very interesting that that, that that guy got a lot of joy out of that. So that was that was kind of a fun uh, story that he told us. But um, was it? It was... It, Oh, go ahead. Uh, was it was it was it Sacred Heart the one that had the uh, had the tombstone that said uh, "killed by human wolves" or something like that, and that was part of the urban legend? Of- no, it's actually it is that um, that is Kathleen Cross's tombstone. 
And so that is mm. basically, like, the deal with her was, like, if you read about the actual story of what happened, um, it's really, really heartbreaking. And um, so there's this tombstone in Oklahoma that ha- became pretty famous, and it says it's Catherine Cross, and on the tombstone it reads, murdered by human wolves. And so a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, that's really cool, like werewolves, you know, that kind of thing, and, um, which is a lot more fun than what actually the story is. But um, so pretty much it seems, according to history, that she died as a result of a botched abortion, I believe. Um, oh. And so her family had that put on her tombstone, you know, because they felt like the doctors who did it were the human wolves. And um, apparently there were a whole bunch of that, a whole lot of that happening in that area at that time. It's uh, it's kind of an interesting historical Oklahoma thing, and you can read about it. I think on 405magazine.com, they have a really good write-up of the whole thing of, like, everything that happened during that time with her and her family and the doctors that were involved. So, And the sad part about it today is that somebody stole the tombstone. So it's did no they really? there. They did. Oh, I did not know that. Isn't that awful? Yeah, that's, that's taking it too far. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I agree. I, I, I mean, I get that it's cool, but, like, that, that's a human being's tombstone. <laughs> like, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you made so, notes. And, oh. oh. No, y'all go ahead. Sorry. Um, I know you made notes and you have, you know, your things you want to talk about. Um, but I was wondering if we could get, like, the scariest, story you've ever heard or the scariest thing that's ever happened to you? Okay. So scariest story that I have ever heard doing this. Oh, okay. So this is actually, um, this happened to my mom and this is not, it's not a paranormal story, but, um, when she was a kid, she and my aunt were having a slumber party like, just the two of them, which my aunt isn't actually my mom's sister. They're just best friends. I call her my aunt. So my aunt was staying over. They were having a slumber party. They were, you know, doing stuff late into the night, and they went to sleep. And at some point in the night, my mom woke up and heard something at the window. And, you know, she kind of got up and looked around, and the sound went away. And so she went back to sleep. And when they got up in the morning, they looked at the window and someone had cut the screen like a perfect rectangle to get into the house. And that's probably Mm. one of the creepiest like stories that I've ever heard that happened to someone who I like consider trustworthy. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's see. I'm trying to think, trying to think what the scariest thing that's ever happened to me is. I can't think of anything, like, paranormal. The only things I can think about are, like, real-life kind of things <laughs> that were creepy, like, kind of, like, less not meat type stories. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um... Well, I, I mean, you do cover true crime. You do I cover do, yes. true crime and mysteries and stuff. So, I mean, if you need to venture off yeah. into that, uh, Dustin and I are the perfect okay, yeah. people to go over that with you because we absolutely okay. love true crime. (laughs) Okay, so one night, um, I'm a huge reader. I love to read. Love to go to Barnes & Noble. And one night, I went to the Barnes & Noble up off of uh, Memorial, 
Like, I kind of needed a break from, I, that's how much I go to Barnes & Noble is that I needed a break from the one in Norman. So I went to the one up on the north side. <laughs> and um, so I was there, and I was with a friend, and, you know, we go book shopping, do our stuff, we check out, we go outside, I say goodbye to her, and I start walking towards my car. And when I get out there, about two uh, parking spaces south of my parking space, there are three guys. And they're all standing around the car looking up at the sky and acting just, like, generally kind of weird, enough for me to kind of have that, like, bell go off that I need to be aware of them. And so I, you know, I get to my car, and then one of them starts walking towards me, like, around the front of my car. And he says, hey, come here. Like, you need to see this. This is a, like, once-in-a-lifetime meteor shower type thing. Like, it was super weird. Like, it was a very weird, like, sales pitch he was giving me. And so I, you know, I was like, um, no, I'm, I'm okay, thanks. And he keeps walking around the front of the car. And, like, as he's walking around the front trying to talk to me, I realized that one of his friends is walking around the back of the car. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I, like, threw my books across the front seat and got in and shut the door and locked it. And I grabbed my phone because I was just going to, like, call my mom to be like, hey, I'm going to talk to you until I get out of here, you know, whatever, like, so that I'm good and you can call the cops if I'm murdered. So, so anyway, I like, <laughs> phone, and as soon as I do that, they, like, jump in their car and leave, like, as quick as they oh can. Oh, my gosh. And, so, yeah, so I feel like that was kind of, like, telling that they did that, meaning that they had mm-hmm. no good intentions, because if they had, I don't think they would have done that. But um, as far as, like, Let's see. Um, so when I was at the Stone Lion, I remember being in the basement by myself and um, feeling feeling kind of like there was a presence there. And I know that a lot of people who've been there say that there's nothing going on in the basement, but that was that was a little bit spooky. And then at Halloween, I interviewed the people who run the El Reno Haunted Barn which that was a really cool story because they run a haunted attraction, but they believe it's actually haunted by a real ghost. So that's kind of a fun thing that's going on there. And actually the ghost is someone that used to work the haunted attraction. So that's kind of a, kind of a cool thing that's going on. But um, when I was there and I got my tour during the daytime, like this is daylight hours. Like the lights were not off. No one was jumping out. Like it wasn't scary. But we got to one part in the haunted house, and I thought, I thought that Whitney was right behind me. She's one, she's like my best friend, and um, she went with me. And I kept turning around looking because I felt like I kept feeling like her hand was on my shoulder, and so I kept looking behind me. And every time I would look, she would be about six feet behind me, and I could swear that someone was putting their hand on my shoulder. And that's probably, like, the only time that I've felt something like that. That was kind of, that was a cool, cool experience. A little bit, a little bit um, scary, I guess, kind of, like, alarming, but that was pretty cool. That's yeah, creepy. I don't like to be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is creepy. Um, so you did yeah. one over... A werewolf. I think it was a yeah werewolf or a wolfman in Lawton, Oklahoma. The wolfman of Lawton. Yes. Yeah. So that one, um, that is one of my favorite 
um, favorite ones, and it actually came with a line that some some listeners kind of use it as a catchphrase, I guess, like which is "I know what I saw." And um, so basically, like back in, I believe it was the '70s, um, people started saying that they had seen like a wolfman in Lawton. And when I say wolfman, I mean exactly that. I don't mean like a werewolf. I mean like like the wolfman wearing his plaid shirt and his ripped up pants and like that's what they were seeing. And so anyway, it turned out to be like a group of teenagers, I'm pretty sure, that were kind of like perpetuating this. Um, however, a man, a full grown man in his thirties, did have a heart attack as a result of being scared by them. So Oh my god. That was a little bit little bit crazy. But yeah, that one that one was super fun. And the guy who had the heart attack, they interviewed him and one of the things he he basically said, I know what I saw. Looks like I know what I saw. So that was kinda that was that was a fun one. A lot more fun than the human world of uh Carnival, I believe. But yeah. That's awesome. Um Justin, do you have any questions? Uh, yes. What are I? I mean, I've listened to the podcast, but uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, what is it called? The Oklahoma octopus. I think that's what it's called. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that is really interesting to me because I think it kind of there's a term that has been. Um, coined in recent years, I'm pretty sure, called fake lore. And basically the idea behind it is like kind of like stories like uh, Slenderman, where it started as like an internet meme, but then became more than that, kind of like people started thinking that it was real and all that stuff. And so the Oklahoma octopus, no one can really find anything about it prior to the episode, I believe, of the Lost Tapes on Animal Planet. Um, which was the episode that told uh, told the story of, like, some teenagers, I think, that were attacked by the Oklahoma octopus or whatever. Um, and it was after that that a lot of people started seeing it. Um, so that was kind of kind of an interesting thing. I think that, I think that, like, media and stuff like that can influence folklore a lot. And mm. that was kind of an instance of that, I think. And it kind of reminds me of, like, the Blair Witch Project, like, um, mm-hmm. there are still people to this day who swear that that is real. Like, if that really <laughs> happened, like, that that is, mm-hmm. you know, for real. And, like, I mean, it's kind of crazy because the Blair Witch, like, that was at a time when I think that that kind of marketing had never been done before. And it was kind of the idea of, like, this found footage is real and we're just not going to correct you when you ask us if it's not, like, that kind of thing. Um, mm. Oh my gosh! And so I think that that like that was kind of a I don't know I think that was like a turning point in a lot of a lot of like the fake war kind of stuff like you know as technology and special effects and all that stuff advances it's kind of it's going to be like a muddy area I think but but yeah I I mm-hmm. have not heard um, any accounts from anyone who has told me that they've actually seen the octopus. Um, I do know that everyone who sees it says, for whatever reason, that it's red and the size of a horse. So I always found that very oddly specific, but 
mean, I think that might be scary to see something the size of a horse, like, coming up out of the water at you. That could be a little bit scary. But um, one of the, I think one of the yeah. game wardens said something like that, uh, he said he thinks it's something people are seeing after a few too many beers on the lake. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of. I kind of tend to agree with that one, especially because, like, nothing was really said before that episode. But I'm not, like, completely ruling it out. Like, I would love to hear from somebody who, you know, has seen something in the water. Like, that would be cool. But, um, yeah. So, that one, that was an interesting one. I like that one. One of my other... Yeah, uh, I think... When I, when I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say... Uh, that I think that's the only strange water creature besides, you know, the the cat catfish as big as a Volkswagen beetle and like Lake Thunderbird. Yeah. I mean, that's the only that's the only strange water creature we have. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard I don't think I've ever heard of another one in Oklahoma. Usually it's just the the legend is it shifts from different lakes every time you hear it, but mm-hmm. uh, usually it's these divers were going down to uh, see why the dam of the lake was jammed, and when they got down there, they saw this catfish that was the size of a Volkswagen Beetle, and they mm-hmm. almost died trying yeah. to get back to the surface. But I've heard that that mm-hmm. was in, like, Texoma, Thunderbird. <laughs> All right, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I heard it was in Texoma. Yeah. 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 One of my uh, one of my friends was on the podcast early on, and we did an episode about cryptids. And she shared a story. She had actually gone on like I think Reddit and posted and told everyone that she was going to do a podcast in Oklahoma, and if they had any stories to send them to her. And one of them that I was kind of surprised about um, was a story about a skinwalker in Oklahoma. Oh, no. Yeah. Stay so in that, Arizona. That, stay away. Exactly. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that actually might be one of the spookiest stories I've ever heard about Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was that was kind of scary. It was that typical story of, like, if you've ever read the Skinwalker stories, it's like they run alongside mm-hmm. the car, they growl, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It was all of yeah. that, and it was someone on I-40 out by Shawnee. So. Oh no! So I'm like, that's no, that's special. too close. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why can't I, it be up in the panhandle uh, where none of us live? Like nobody lives over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got plenty of rooms to run out there. Go do it. And it's close to the desert, you know, because they, they skinwalkers. Exactly, you think yeah. of like New Mexico, Arizona. You don't think of Oklahoma. Mm. No. Exactly. No, yeah. we have. Oh yeah. Issues. We have issues here. Oh. We have tornadoes and Bigfoot and mountain lions. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't need that one extra thing. <laughs> no. And if we do, can we what? have, like, you know, can we have, I don't know, like, the weird octopus thing? Like, let's go back to that, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. For anyone listening um, that is more interested in skinwalkers, because I can't stand to talk about them, like, um, we have done two episodes with Leonard Dan, and he. I had to bless my house after those episodes because oh my god, I was terrified 
and I was having mm-hmm. weird crap happening in my house, uh, weirder than normal. And so I actually had to bless my house after those episodes. That's how scary they were. They were terrifying. So um, anyone oh listening, go listen to those episodes and also Marnie's episode um, with her friend that told about the one in Shawnee, which is really too close to me. <laughs> yeah, Ugh, it was it was spooky. Um, yeah, another one thing that um, I just remembered. So, have you guys ever heard about the legend that John Wilkes Booth like died in Oklahoma? I think so. I think. Okay. I think I've heard a familiar. little bit of it. Okay, that is that's kind of that's kind of a fun one. I did an episode about that with um, a young lady that I am very, that is very close to my heart. Her name is Chandler, and um, she is from I believe it was Enid where this is supposed to have taken place, and you can actually see the room where like he supposedly died, and like so it's kind of a fun like you know claiming a little bit of American history for us. So mm-hmm. not the best fun, um, but. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Pretty interesting, yeah. nonetheless. Um, yeah. So, have you ever done anything over like Devil's Canyon, over by Alpis, Oklahoma, or anything no. along those lines? No. I've always what wondered, like, yeah. So, there's a lot of lore over there about the Devil's Canyon and how there's gold hidden there, and that's all over Oklahoma, but mostly over there that there's gold hidden there, and that people, you know, there's supposed to be ghosts that protect it or just people you know die or get hurt trying to get it and oh, wow. I don't, there's just a lot that goes on over there and then also the parallel forest um by Lawton in uh, Medicine Park and mm-hmm. so we actually heard about that from a friend of ours that lives uh pretty close to, to Dustin and he mm-hmm. talked about how like there's satanic rituals and all kinds of stuff there um, I went to visit it. Mm-hmm. So what it is, it's a forest they pr- planted during the Great Depression. And the trees are all like six feet apart, exactly. And so in every direction, they're parallel. And it's very creepy. And I went there actually after we had that show, and it's just silent. Like it was so quiet, I could hear like everything. I mean, it was just deadly silent. It was very creepy, which I think is why people think it's haunted. But um, mm-hmm. Danny told, like, really great stories about, well, not great. They were horrible, but um, <laughs> good content. But it was horrible, you know, that um, there was just satanic things going on out there. And um, I think someone had left yeah. a dog tied up out there and just, you know, just, like, weird stuff. But I went to visit it, and I was by myself, and I hiked through there, and, it was really gorgeous, but it was really creepy. And so Dustin and I have this, like, mission to go back at night. You're not allowed in there after dark. so. Um, mm-hmm. But we're going to go back at night because we're rebels yeah. like that. And uh, we want to go check it out for the paranormal aspect, you know, and go see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I imagine but it we'll has report to be back. just a little. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I imagine it has to be, like, <laughs> a little bit eerie to begin with, with everything being so perfectly safe since that's not, mm-hmm. like, natural. It's, right. it's very creepy. I mean, you can just look down these rows of trees, and it's mm-hmm. almost like a horror film, like something's about to step down this row and look at you and chase you. I mean, it was very creepy. And I went, and it was a beautiful oh, day, yeah. a beautiful, sunny, beautiful day. Mm-hmm. And um, it, and it, there's little trails that go through there and stuff. And actually, so there was – I went in, and I was alone, 
And then I started carrying people, and I had hiked way back in there and started up a foothill, and then I was like, you know what, I'm alone, I should probably, like, head back to my car. And I was on a time limit because I had to drive back to Tulsa. And so I was like, okay, so I'm going to head back. So I start hiking out, and I, I come across, like, these people, and they were being so loud. And I don't know if they were really being so loud or if it was just so quiet in the forest that they were, like, you know, overloading my senses. So I mm-hmm. saw them and I stopped and looked at them and they looked at me and I turned around and walked the other direction. Like, I mean, blatantly just, I didn't say hello, nothing. I just walked away. And then I go to walk out of the forest and there's this guy and I was wearing a Bigfoot shirt and he, he and his girlfriend were also leaving and he glances over and he just busts out laughing. And I was just looking at him. I'm like, okay. And he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, we were in the forest and I sneezed and those people started freaking out thinking I was Bigfoot. (laughs) Oh, he's like, yeah. And then we walk out and you're wearing a Bigfoot shirt. And I'm like, okay, this is just, it was just like one of those weird, funny situations. Kind of like we all kind of laughed and, you know, relieved some awkward tension, but I do want to go back when it's dark because I think it's going to be super, super creepy with how quiet and creepy it is in there anyway. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's on the list. You know what? We could do that right now. We're social distancing. That would be a thing we could do. We just had to stay on each each side of the tree, six foot apart. I mean, I could do that. You get too close, I'll just bring (laughs) a baseball bat and smack you with it. (laughs) I'll bring a lash hole and a lighter. (laughs) Yeah. Hateful. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, okay. if you if you get anybody on your show, like if you can talk to anybody and see if they have any more information about parallel forests, like the satanic things that go on out there, like I would love to hear that on your show. Okay, we uh, me and Allie Summerfield actually did an episode where we talked about it like a little bit. We did like half and half of parallel mm-hmm. forests and then half kitchen lakes. But I definitely want to, like, mm-hmm. look more into it. And at that time, nobody had, like, contacted me and said, hey, I've been to this place or anything. So I will definitely let mm-hmm. you know if anybody reaches out to me with, hey, I have a creepy story about the parallel forest. That'd be awesome. Like, I'm interested, like, why do people think that satanic things happen out there? They said that there was an altar and, mm-hmm. you know, that there was, like, a dog tied to it and it was barely alive and all this stuff. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Like, go back. Yeah. I didn't see any altar when I was there. Like, I went and looked. I mean, I guess there's flat rocks in different places, and I climbed onto a couple of them, so I hope that nobody's been sacrificed on top of those. <laughs> now I feel like I need to go take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that until just now. Okay. Anyway. Um, so can you tell us about some of the books that you've written? Um, okay, so... So I started publishing um, some novellas last year. So I've got three novellas that are available, and they're, like, in a, um, like, it's not a box set. It's, like, one volume. It's, like, the Irioki Short Reads Volume 1, and it's got three stories in it. Um, The first one is a vampire story, like, uh, set in all of them are set in Oklahoma. Um, That's kind of my thing Mm -hmm. is, like, anything that I write, whether it's romance or thriller or horror, it's all set in Oklahoma. Um. Anyway, so there's, like, the vampire story, and then there's one about 
um, somebody who is photographing abandoned places and comes upon a little girl who is not all that she seems. Um, and then the other one is about a taxidermized wolf that is not all the way dead. So that one, that one was kind of fun to write. Um, and then the one that I've got coming out next month is, it's called The Way It In. And it's about a professor from Oklahoma who kind of becomes like a self-help guru turned cult leader out in the panhandle. And so that was, that was super fun to write. Um, it's kind of, it's a little bit dark, but I, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. Um, I mainly, mainly write like thrillers and horror and romance, like, which seem like they're not even in the same, like, ballpark or anything, but that's, that's pretty much what I enjoy. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> uh, hey, Marnie, mm-hmm. what do you think Bigfoot is? Hmm. I don't know. I think that I, I mean, I've never had like an experience personally. Um, I know that people like don't like the whole like woo aspect of it, but I really liked in the documentary, The Town That Bigfoot Built, when there was a Native American gentleman talking about how, um, the word for Bigfoot in one of the Native American languages is the same word for forget. And he talked about how a lot of times the people who see it have had something really horrible happen to them. And, like, Bigfoot is a way to forget that. And it's almost like um, a spiritual thing, kind of. And that was probably my favorite thing I've ever heard about it. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that, like, it can't actually be a flesh and blood creature or anything like that. Um, I would love to have an experience, though. But that would probably that would probably sway me one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd hope so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I always worry that having a sighting will like put me off of Bigfoot for the rest of my life or something. You know, I'm worried that it's going to scare me so bad that I won't ever want anything to do with it. But then yeah. I think about all the experiences that I've had with the paranormal, and I'm like. Oh, well, and the thing with that is, like, paranormal, I have experiences all the time to the point where I'm like, I just don't really even, you know, care to talk about it or, like, it's not even a big Mm -hmm. deal to me. And so I'm wondering, like, if I could get to that point with Bigfoot, I think I'd be okay with that. I'd be like, well, I've had so many sightings, I just don't even care anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's every Bigfoot researcher's dream. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think it all depends on what occurs during the sighting because like right mine, and the same for paranormal you know, experiences I, yeah it's like like with mine with that the little kid i saw like i mm-hmm. still don't like ghosts and they creep me the hell out <laughs> and but the the one bigfoot sighting i had um you know i wasn't i didn't feel how i thought i would feel um like starting this whole thing, I thought I would be. I, I was always worried that I'd be too scared, or like too scared after the fact to want to go back, or still not believe it. But after I had my sighting, I was you know excited, wanted to keep going back out in the woods. But it was only because it was from a distance, and mm-hmm. it wasn't throwing shit at me or yelling, which I still want yeah. that experience. I want, I want to experience something 
screaming at me. I want it a hundred percent right there, but after that, mm-hmm. it would probably be uh, a different story, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I um I remember hearing Jay Whitehead talk about an experience where um he said that they kind of like attacked his house or something like that, and that was to me that would be like absolutely terrifying and might put me off of it forever. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I think that it's so rare that it's almost like, it's kind of like um, on the X-Files, how Mulder is like, he gets a little bit of information and so he wants more. Because it's like you're not getting right. the whole picture all at once kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think we're... People that usually go into the Bigfoot thing or paranormal, we're insatiably curious, and it's like curiosity killed uh-huh. the cat. And probably when stuff happens, we'll all be back for more. <laughs> That's just yeah, how oh, that yeah, works. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So, Lauren, do you have any more questions? All right. Um, I I don't. Hmm. Well, we only have like six minutes, so I feel like I can't really ask any in-depth questions. <laughs> well, hold on. I just had a listener question from uh, Sheree Sanders. She wants to know. Uh, okay, go ahead. How, how much do you know about uh, the crybaby bridges here in Oklahoma, or um, have you gone I know a little to bit. any of them? Yes, I have. I have been to them like a long time ago, not recently or anything. Um, some of the really interesting stuff about those. One thing I've heard about those, which I thought was um, kind of a cool theory, is like that it actually ties into Bigfoot. Have you guys heard that? I'm sure you have. I have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I um. I don't know, though. I think that the Crybaby Bridge, it's kind of like um, like how every culture kind of has that story about a woman losing her child kind of a thing. I think mm-hmm. it's sort of like that because they're everywhere. Like, they're, there are so many all over Oklahoma and so many all over the United States. Um, and I can remember being a kid and, like, that was one of the first introductions to an urban legend that I ever got was, like, on the playground someone telling me about the Crybaby Bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's one in every... <coughs> Sorry. There's one in every yeah, single town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One, one that's interesting, it's not a bridge... Um, I think it's somewhere in southern Oklahoma where uh, the if the if a, the road's an optical illusion, and if you mm-hmm. drive up to it and you put it, uh, your car in neutral, it will it looks like you're being pushed uphill. And yeah, I don't know that is. Um, but people oh say gosh, if you put baby powder, if you put baby powder on your bumper, you'll see little fingerprints all over your bumper, like little kids are pushing it because. Allegedly, a school bus got hit by a train or something to that effect back in the day. Oh, so that's, wow. But, that's actually well, in yeah. Texas. But, 
Is that in Texas? Yeah, that's in South. That's in Texas. It's in like I think San Antonio because uh, my mom and I went and we did it and we did find handprints and fingerprints all over our bumper that were not mine. Oh wow! I it was it I was crazy. We, we like had we one too. sat. Um, the one we went to was in Texas, and if you look it up, there actually was a school bus full of kids that died. Um, so oh, really? it was like in the fifties or something, and. Yeah, and I know Mythbusters has done a thing where they're like, oh, it's just an optical illusion. But, I mean, it's like we sat there and we sat like we weren't rolling. It was a neutral and we sat there just Mm -hmm. still for a long time. And after the car in front of us rolled over, then our car like stuttered or shuddered and then it just slowly started moving forward and then picked up speed and went over and then it just like coasted down the hill and into the parking lot. And then, you know, you get out and check your bumper and you're just like, holy crap. And it was so creepy. And we actually had our cousins were with us and they were on the outside of the vehicle because they wanted to make sure they were looking under the car, like looking behind it because they didn't believe it. And they didn't see anything except for the car, like start shaking and then move. It was crazy. And I was so young when it happened. So I want to go back as an adult and do it again, you know. Let's go. I got a new truck. Let's go. (laughs) <laughs> there was, I read an article recently. Test it out. I read an article recently that was about like the games that we played as kids at slumber parties, and it was like stuff like, um, oh gosh, I can't think of some like light as a feather, stiff as a board, um, and then like mm-hmm. cat scratches and stuff like that. And it went through like all of them, explaining like how they work and how it like happens all the stuff, and then it gets down to the bottom to cat scratches, and it's like. Yeah, there's no explanation for this. It's definitely demons, <laughs> which I thought was yeah. really funny. Yeah, growing up, like, you know, we would do, like, the Bloody Mary thing and stuff like that. Like, we oh, were yeah. really into all that. And I'm just like, oh, my, like, being who I am now, I if I catch my kids doing that, like, y'all are going to wish Bloody Mary got y'all because <laughs> mm-hmm. I will be all yeah. over you guys, not in my house. Sirs, not in my house. I am way. You know how yeah. hard I have to bless this house to get that out of here. Uh uh-uh. uh. I will make them look <laughs> supernatural until they feel like they don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Terrible. So we are actually out of time now. Thank you again so much for coming on tonight. I have really enjoyed it and mm-hmm. um, hope to have you back. I know you said you would love to do a show with us. So um, just let us know when you're available and we will come talk your ear off about Bigfoot or serial killers or whatever you want to talk about. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds great. And thank you so much for having me. I had a really good time. Yeah. Thank you so much Absolutely. for coming on morning. No problem. Absolutely. Got to break up this, this self-isolation somehow. I know the self-quarantine, right? Um, yeah. You're pretty desperate exactly. if you came on air with us. Like, if you if you no, agreed no, no, no. to be interviewed, you're pretty desperate. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no, but we do appreciate you coming on. And everyone out there, um, go listen to her podcast, Arioki. Even if you're not from Oklahoma, it's still great stories to hear, um, great accounts. And um, also read her book. New one coming out soon. And also, and, and also, if you've uh, been self quarantined and uh, watching Netflix, and you've watched Tiger King, um, Marnie has a what was it a 
three-parter or four-part mm-hmm. on Joe Exotic? Three-part. Mm-hmm. Three-part. She has a three-parter on uh, Joe Exotic, and she goes into quite a bit of detail, and it's pretty good. Thank you. Go check it out. And um, just real quick, if anybody is uh, really quarantining hard and y'all, know, y'all are doing your due diligence as American sitting, citizens and you're staying home, um, be sure to go back and listen to our archive shows. You know, we've been on the air for over 10 years now. So there is plenty of material. Um, start at the beginning and work your way up to now if you're just really, you know, hard up for some new stuff or old stuff. Um, because we have got some really great shows in the archives that are well worth listening to. Um, also, as always, feel free to message us ideas on new guests or topics for us to talk about. All right, you guys. Uh, you guys stay safe and stay healthy, and we will holler at you all later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot Radio.